Oh wow. This looks very different than I thought, so. How you guys doing? You guys uh pray for your pastor. I'm kind of feeling sick. I've been coughing all day. Ha ha ha. It is really weird coming out of a coffin, I'm not going to lie. It's a little stifling, it's a little limiting, it's kind of crazy. And the funny thing about coffins is that you're not really supposed to get out of them. Like, so there's no nice way to get out, you just do. And so you get in it, but then you don't really get out. You know, it's crazy in the Bible, there's a place where Jesus actually calls a guy from death to life. His name's Lazarus. He says, come out. And Lazarus literally gets out of his own grave. I mean, how crazy would that be when you think about it? But isn't it true that there's an awkward moment in our faith when you go from death to life? And it's just, it's, it's weird. You're like, I don't know how to do this because I'm just used to my life being one way. So how do I walk in a new way? How do I live differently? That's the awkward part, isn't it? That's what we do around here at Church Unlimited is we help people go from death to life. We help people get out of their own grave and live the life that God has for them. That's what we do. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Also, those of you who are online, you're not on the wrong website. This is the right website. You're like, what did I just go to? I want to say hello to all of our campuses. Also, our prison ministry. Give it up for our prison ministry. We love you guys. Grateful for you guys as well. Today's message is called Walking Dead because that's exactly what Lazarus did. He literally was a dead man walking, came back to life. I want to show you some scripture on this, and we're going to unpack this because I think many of us want to learn, like, how do you go from death to life and actually living out our faith. Is that possible? I want to show you some scripture today. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke, excuse me, to John chapter 8. This is what it says. You guys ready? I'm, I'm ready to just dive right in. I'm ready to go. You guys ready? Let's do this. All right, here we go. Jesus arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told him. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. His smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Now, I can't resist this. i got to stop on that one line. Is there something you quit believing God for? Because if you quit believing God for something, you won't see his glory in that area. So maybe it's time to, to begin believing God again for something. Believing God that he can turn your marriage around, that he can turn your health around, that he can turn your career around, that he can turn your child around. Believe God again, because that's when you see his glory. Somebody needs to get excited because we can believe God. He will come through for you. It says, so they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the, for the sake of all those people standing here so that they would believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. I love that. That's, that's incredible. He literally got up out of his own coffin and came to Jesus. How, how mind-bending and blowing must that have been to see a, a guy they saw dead four days ago walking around, talking to Jesus. Totally crazy. I, I, I love that. But I can't help but point something else out. I just, I just want to point this out. Did you notice what Jesus didn't do? I just think this is a, a big thing. Jesus didn't find Lazarus' tomb on his own. He actually said to, to the guys around him, his disciples, where is Lazarus? I wonder if they wanted to say like, come on, Jesus. I mean, you're God. You know everything. You obviously already know where he is. But he didn't do that. He said, no, where is he? Then they took him to him. And then he said, what? He said, roll the stone away. I'm sure at that point they could have said, hold on, Jesus, you know, you're all powerful. You can also roll the stone away. But notice Jesus only does the part that only he can do. 
he expects us to do everything we can do, then he only does what he can do, right? Now, the reason I want to bring this up, if you're taking notes, would you write this down? This is important. Don't confuse your salvation, that's all Jesus, with your discipleship, that's all you. Did you catch that? So salvation is 100% Jesus. I don't know about you, but I can't raise myself back to life. That's Jesus only. He's the only one that can do that. But then we do all our own discipleship. Now, some of you say, oh, hold on. You're telling me that, I have, that God has no part in my discipleship? That's what I'm telling you. Here's what I mean by that. People say, well, no, but the Holy Spirit helps me. Oh, no, he already gave you that. He gave you that salvation. So he's done doing that part. Now, what you do with the Holy Spirit, he's done writing his word. What you do with his word, does that make sense? And so all salvation is all Jesus our discipleship, it's all what we do with it now. So I just want to challenge you with this notion, because maybe you're waiting on God to do something that he's not going to do, because he's waiting on you to do it. Oh, God, help me get skinny. God said, that's a great idea. Eat a salad and go walk. <laughs> God, help me to pass a test. The Lord's like, that's a great idea. Why don't you start studying? I'll bless your studying, but don't ask me to bless you not studying, right? Oh, God, bless me with the right person in my life. And God's like, why don't we break up with the wrong person first? Why don't you do your part? Let's clear your schedule, and then I can do my part. Does that make sense? Are you waiting on God to do something you're supposed to do yourself? Do your part first. That's discipleship. Then God does what only God can do. Someone's got something to do this week. You got to do your part, right? Now, if you're like me, you know, you look at people today, and you're like, man, we kind of live in a jacked up world. Can we admit that? I mean, it is crazy, and, and it looks a lot like this next scripture I want to read to you. Check it out. It says in 2 Timothy 3, But understand this, that in the last days, are we in the last days? I mean, are, do, do you wonder that? I mean, do you recognize that we have a, a, a madman that we're playing chicken with that has nuclear weapons? Anybody realize that? Is anyone aware? Can someone call Washington right now and let them know? Because they're acting like, Everyone's sane up there and everything's good and it's really not. Are, are you aware that we're in the last day? Have you seen what they're trying to teach kids now in school? I mean, what, what our government's doing now? I mean, we are not just, we're not just having a sinful society. We are legislating sin now. That's another level, guys. Look at what the scripture says. In the last days, people will be lovers of self. See if this does not sound like a society or a city near you. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable. What does unappeasable mean? It means when we're done with you, we're done with you. You're canceled. That's it. No sorry's work here. Unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. It says the appearance, another translation says the form of godliness, but denying its power. Do you know anyone that, that says, oh, I'm a Christian, but yet you look at their life and you're like, it doesn't look like, I mean, it looks like you're still in the grave, but I mean, you tell me you're saved and, and you're new in Christ or you're alive in Christ, but yet you're doing all the things the world does. See, the problem with us knocking the world is that the church is just as bad. And let's just be honest. I mean, don't, don't even get me started on preachers. I could talk about my own profession all day long here. I mean, they're jacked up too. And so if we're not going to live different, then how can we convince anyone else to want to be a, a Christ follower? The Bible says we're supposed to be a peculiar people. You know what that word means? It means weird to other people. We're supposed to be different. 
But if we act like the world, talk like the world, walk where the world walks, does what the world does, then how are we different? And so God wants us to instead really walk with him. So how do we not live like that to where we actually are a different people? Can I give you some help on this? Because it's hard. I, I'm not saying this is easy, and I certainly don't mean to be judgmental towards anyone, but we are supposed to be different people. So how do you do it? Let me give you key scriptures. Romans 6.11 says this. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Dead to sin, alive to Christ. What does that mean? It means this. Would you write this down? You got to learn to walk dead to sin. This means you remove sin as a viable option. Does that make sense? So when I said yes to my wife, Jessica, all other women became an unviable option. Make sense? Built into that yes is a gigantic no. I know it's going to be hard on you ladies, but try to get by. <laughs> the point is this, is that when you said yes to Christ, you're saying no to the rest of the world, right? And so I remember being uh, in high school and junior high and high school, I, I became a Christian. I really got serious about Christ when I was in junior high. And I remember all my friends, by the time we're in high school, they're going out, they're, you know, they're trying to get with girls, they're trying to do party and do all this kind of stuff. And there was a, a season, a window where I was pretty lonely. I was like, Man, I don't really have a lot to do because all my friends that are inviting me to this party, I'm, I'm not going to do that. So I just kind of sat at home. I didn't have a lot to do. And so there's this window of time when you're in between the dead life and the alive life in Christ, when you just kind of feel lonely. It's kind of like no man's land. You're, you ever been there? I'll never forget these years. I mean, I was called every name that you could be called, you know, Billy Graham, Junior, Bible Thumper. I could go on and on. I mean, all, I could give you a list. I mean, all the names. By the time I hit my junior year, something happened that was really crazy. I didn't expect this. I'll never forget, I'm sitting in class one time my junior year, uh, and there was this new guy who just moved to our high school, so he didn't know anyone. He didn't know me at all. And most of the other kids I already knew had been there a while, and they'd been there too. And so he starts making fun of me in class by being a Christian. You're a Christian. You're like one of those weirdo religious this and that. And three or four students around me said, hey, you leave him alone. I remember sitting there going like, what just happened? <laughs> they like just defended me. What just happened? This is crazy. And that's when it finally hit me that all the teasing, what they're really saying is, are you for real? Like, is this legit? Are you actually going to live like this? So I just want to encourage you that that no man's land where you feel like your phone's not ringing, you're not, you're not, you don't have a place to go on a Friday night because all the things you used to do, you now don't do. God's there with you. There's a void that's there for a reason for you to grow through. So I just want to encourage you, God is in that too. And so you have to remove sin as a viable option. It was no longer, am I going to go to the party, the bar, the club? I mean, I wasn't going to go to the bar anyways because I was, I think, 15. But the point is, <laughs> I had friends that did, but the point is, is that I was like, I'm just not going to do those things. And so it took me a while to get enough Christian friends who were like, then I could, you know, we'll go hang out at your house or we'll go swimming or to the mall or to the movie. You know, there's things you can do. But I realized that there was a window of time, and maybe you know what I'm talking about, that God has you alone. That's his incubation time. He's growing you in that season. And that's not a bad thing. But you've got to make sin not a viable option any longer. Jesus put it this way. He said, lead us not into temptation. Just don't go near it. Just stay away from it altogether. If you'll do that, you will suddenly find that God has a brighter future for you. In fact, next week we're talking about your future. Next week's called Monsters, Inc. We're going to talk about the three doors, the three options you have in your life. And going forward, don't miss next week. You're going to love it. By the way, next week is Candy Palooza. Can there be anything cooler than church and candy? Come on. I mean, you know, I mean, we're, we're doing it for the kids, obviously. <laughs> for the children. Don't miss next week, Candy Palooza. We're going to have so much fun. Come dressed up if you want. 
appropriate dressed up. You always have to say that now at Halloween, right? Like appropriate dress, right? Like so anyways. But it's going to be great. You don't want to miss it. We're going to have so much fun. Bring your kids and uh, Candy Palooza is going to be great. Don't, do not miss it. We go all out around here. Lots of fun. We're going to honor the Lord. We're not going to honor the devil. Don't go, they're worshiping Satan. No, we're not. We're not doing that. We're going to have fun, okay? And so be sure to be here next week as we talk about Monsters, Inc. and about the three doors, the three choices you have in your life and how do you make the right choice. Like how do you, how do you, make, how do you make sure your future is good? There's a way to do that. So don't miss next week as we unpack that. But we have to learn today to walk dead in our sins. So how do you, how do, you do that? Well, another thing I need to tell you, I need to warn you about, about this new life in Christ that you have. And that is this. Whenever you are new in your faith, number three, it feels limiting. You just feel like all the things I used to do, I feel guilty about now. I can't do all those things anymore. And so what do I do with my time? Scripture says this in Matthew 6. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Have you ever been despised by someone you couldn't figure out why? Maybe it's just because you're a Christian. Maybe just, just your mere presence. You just walk in the room and they don't like you. You're like, I don't get that. I remember I had a friend that in college, I knew him from high school. I went to, off to this college. He ended up in the same school. And every time I saw him, he just like would blow me off. I was like, dude, did I do something? So I asked a friend of mine, did I do something? He goes, honestly, man, I think that he's just chosen not to live for God. And so you just remind him that he's not living for God anymore. And I was like, I didn't say anything. He goes, you didn't say anything. You just walked in. You see, when you choose to live a different life, you end up by default highlighting people who are choosing to do the wrong things. So don't be discouraged if you're despised. Jesus actually said, I was despised before you. I was hated before you. So don't sweat that. Don't worry about that. I'm not saying be obnoxious. What I'm saying is it's, it's okay. People are going to despise you because of your faith. It says in Luke chapter 9, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. So we, we have to realize there's some things we just don't do any longer, some places we don't go, and so some things we don't participate in anymore. But here's what it really looks like. I wanted to tell you, you know, I just got up out of this coffin. It looks like this is how it works. You just could have a coffin, and now you're living this new life. But that's not how it worked for Lazarus. First of all, they didn't have a coffin like this. This is how we do it in our society today. We bury people in the coffin probably a lot nicer than this one, right? But but the way they would do it is they would actually wrap someone and then basically dig a hole like you're burying a dog. You ever buried an animal before? I've done this. And you dig up a hole, put the animal in there, and then cover them up, right? And so but they would just cover up with a big rock, basically big like a, build like a little, a little tunnel or a little hole and put a big rock in it. And so when Lazarus came out, this is what it actually looked like. And I asked a friend of mine, Matt, come on out here, man. I'm going to have my friend help me out here. Come on, Matt, hurry up. You're taking too long. Come on, speed it up. Let's go. We're waiting on you, man. Come on, what's the deal? See, the thing is, is that this is what Lazarus actually looked like is he was wrapped in grave clothes. And so I wonder how many of you right now are like, you know, the Christian life is just, I feel limited. Aren't you feel, don't you feel kind of limited? Like, you know, can you give me a, maybe do a little, no, you can't, no, that's it. Yeah, you got no movement. So you feel limited. You're like, I just feel like all the things I used to do, I can't do anymore. But there's a whole world of things you can do out there. But when all you think of your options are, are things that, that the devil wanted you all caught up in, now that you're not, you, you feel limited. It's easy to feel stifled. Now, here's the thing about this. Is it's easy for us to look at him and be like, man, he's messed up. He's all tied up. I want to show you a scripture. This is really important. Check this out. It says, Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. So we got our Lazarus here, right? Then it says, and the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes. His face was even wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Now, this is really important. We keep trying to tell Lazarus, this new Christian, so now, you know, unwrap yourself. How do you do that? You, you really can't do that. So I want to invite a couple of your friends to come out too. Come on out here. We've got a couple of guys that are buddies of his. Come on, come on out, guys. And so this is what we do. 
is that we have these friends and come over here. This is what we typically do is that we, being Christians, being already disciples, we look at our buddy and we kind of go, hey, look at him, man. He's, his life is messed up. I mean, you know what? He's probably not even really a Christian. Do we really know he's saved? I mean, where's the fruit? You know, I love that line. The people who are judging him should actually get over there and help unwrap him. And that's what Jesus said. Jesus actually said what? He said not to Lazarus. He said to the disciples around him, hey, unwrap him. The way that you go from living a life full of grave clothes to living a life that's free is you need to have a community of other Christians around you to set you free, to help you live the new life God has for you. So they unwrap you. In fact, frankly, it's kind of taking a long. Let's do that. Let's speed this up. All right, here we go. Ready? Let's speed it up. Go, 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 go. Yeah, see, what's much faster? See, it's much, much faster. Now, now you're, are you a little dizzy? Just a little bit? Yeah, yeah. And so let's keep going. Okay, no, no. Okay, let's go. So see how fast it goes now? Now, how are you doing? Now, I want you to run as fast as you can straight ahead. No, we're not going to do that to you. But it's discombobulating, isn't it? Isn't that like the Christian life when you first get saved and you're trying to learn what this new life looks like? It's just you feel like you're spinning around. You're like, I don't know what to do next and what, what am I supposed to do? How do I follow God? How do I know if God's speaking to me? How can I make sense of the Bible? It's just a little discombobulating. And that's where your friends come in to help you figure this stuff out. Give our, give our group here a, a, a big round of applause. Would you do that? Thank you, guys. Hurry up, Matt. Come on. Get off stage. Come on. What's taking forever? Anyways. So the, the truth is, is that we, we, are, we are limited, but we're not. It's just, we just think we only have a few choices, but we have a lot more choices. So once you get in a life group, once you start serving around other people, once you get in a, a, a Christian friend group, you realize there's a whole world out there that I just didn't know was there, but there's all kinds of options I can live out that are healthy, that are good. And it's kind of nice to have a great weekend and not feel guilty about it come Sunday morning and not have regrets and not have the, sh the shame you're carrying about things that you wish you really wouldn't have done. And so God sets you free. We talked about that last week. If you missed last week, go online, please get the app and listen to the message about skeletons and closet. God wants to set you free from all those past things. But then today we're gonna learn how do you walk in that freedom? You gotta learn to walk like a dead man, which means you're dead to those former things. Those just aren't things you do. You gotta go full Godfather and be like, you're dead to me. And you just got to walk away from those former choices that you made. And if you begin to do that and then get some new, good, strong Christian friends, and guess what? You'll realize there's a whole way to live your life that honors God. That's a lot of fun, by the way. That's not limiting. It's not stifling. You feel free to live the way God wants you to live. And so number four, when you are fresh in your new life, you will need godly friends to help you out of your grave clothes. We all need this. And by the way, let's be honest enough to admit that even if you've been walking with God a long time, you still may have a few grave clothes on. We still got some areas we're working on, right? I mean, none of us are perfect. And so that's, that's pretty normal to be working on things still in our lives. You know, I just want to tell you one thing, though. Uh, this, this last uh, month, I, I've had to uh, say goodbye to two good friends and uh, multiple friends uh, in our church that are now with the Lord. And it's not easy to do that, you know. And so I don't want to make light of a coffin or casket. I mean, we're having some fun today with this, but death is real. In fact, because of that, I feel like you need to hear something from me, so I'm just going to be real honest with you right now. I've been to the doctor. I'm actually dying. I had some medical tests run, and it came back positive that I am dying, and my condition is that I'm a human being. The average lifespan has dropped in the last three years. Did you know that? Because of COVID used to be over 80, now it's about 78 for men, a little, over, a little over 80 for women. So we're all dying. I have 30 years to live. How about you? Just take 80, 
subtract your age from it, and that's how long you had to live, because you're dying too. We're all dying. We all have the human condition, don't we? And so I just want to encourage you. You may think, this is a really depressing message. No, it means you really can't live until you begin to live like you're dying. Because then you rearrange your priorities and realize, I only have so many years, I want to live my life in a way that honors God, that loves people fully, and that makes an impact. Does that make sense? So until you recognize you're dying, you're actually not really living. But when you finally realize that one day all of us are going to go back in the box. You know, the thing about Lazarus, the part that they don't tell you about in the story is that he actually eventually died again. And then he didn't come back out. (laughs) He went to heaven, right? So we know he's not literally in the box, but all of us at one point are going to be in a casket. We're going to eventually be in a box. Now, here's the thing about this box is that you, you can't take anything with you. I've, I've yet to see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. I haven't seen it. And so what we do in this life just goes back in the box. I love Monopoly, by the way. Anybody like Monopoly? Anybody like to play Monopoly? I love Monopoly. So here's the thing about when you play Monopoly with the Cornelius family is that we don't act like Christians when we play Monopoly. I mean, it's, it's just not true, honey. I mean, it, it's brutal. It, normally the game doesn't end. We just end in a big fight and we all stop. I mean, that's, it's just, it's bad. I'm telling you the truth. I know I, I'm, I sound like I'm not really much of a Christian, but I'm just being honest. I mean, it's, it's, it's brutal. I would like to say that I normally win, but that's only because I have the mic and they can't argue with me right now. But, <laughs> but I love playing Monopoly. It's a lot of fun. But I just want to mention something about the game of Monopoly. As, as much fun as we have, and sometimes I'm way ahead and I beat everyone and I own the whole board and it's great. And sometimes I barely have one property and I lose out, you know, having to pay everyone rent and then I lose all my money and I go bankrupt and I lose, right? But either way, whether you win or lose at Monopoly, at the end of the game, all that you have, little or a lot, all gets folded up and put back in the box. So we do a lot of striving and running around and worrying and fretting and planning and stressing so that we can build up our Monopoly only to watch it all go in the box. Oh, no, but Pastor, I'm going to leave it all to my kids. What do you think they're going to do with it? I can save you a little time here. They're going to take everything you've had and go to the mall. It's just going to get spent. I just, I mean, you or the next generation, I just, I hate to break it to you, that, that it's really true. And so if that's what you've made your life about, it's going to feel real empty. And so, but I want to encourage you with this. Would you write this down? One day everything goes back in the box, so start thinking outside the box. So is there anything I can do that gets outside the box? And there is. And so you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. In fact, the Bible's really clear on this, that there's some things we can do, and this is why it ties directly to the walking dead, because if you're dead to your trespasses, to your sins, right, you're alive in Christ, now you're alive to doing the good things God put us on this earth to do. The Bible says he had good plans for us to do. Ephesians 2.10, he says this. I didn't even use the scripture in this outline, but I'll tell you. He says, I have already planned good things for you to do with your life. So I want to give you three things today that you can do that will get you credit in heaven. In other words, nothing you do on this earth goes to heaven except these three things. So there's three things you can do to transform some of, your, some, of the stu- some of your efforts now from this earth to heaven. Did you know in heaven, by the way, we're going to have mansions built for us? But some of us are going to have empty mansions. A really nice mansion, just nothing in it. Because we got in heaven, we just didn't do anything after that. You ever wondered... Why weren't we just zapped up to heaven once we got saved? That's because God has stuff for us to do. 
He's not done utilizing us to make an impact in this world. So there's something we can do. So what can we do? There's three things you can do. I want to encourage you to do this. You guys with me? All right, here's the three things you can do. Here it is. First one is this. Every word of encouragement you say to someone gets credited in heaven. Did you know that? The Bible is very clear about this. Check it out. It says, Romans 12, 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This is the only place in the Bible I can find where God wants you to compete. He said, I want you to compete in out-honoring one another. It's like, how can I honor you, and then you one-up me, and then I one-up you? No, you're better. No way, you're better. No, you're more awesome, and I'm going to do this for you. Well, I'm going to do this for you. We're one-upping each other. This is what marriage should look like. We're supposed to be out-honoring each other. You should be like, well, I took out the garbage. Oh, yeah, well, I washed the dishes. Oh, yeah, well, I cleaned the room. <laughs> We're trying to out-honor each other. Does that make sense? That's the way God designed it to be. And so... When we honor one another, it opens doors for you. Yes, but let's not do it for that reason. Let's do it because we want to be a blessing to others. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, When you talk, do not say harmful things, but say what people need. Now, sometimes people need to hear a tough word, but there's a way you can say it and still be honoring, isn't there? There's some, th- some way to say it. Words that will help others become stronger. It says, then what you say will do good to those who listen to you. So when you offer words of encouragement, that hits your heavenly register. So you're adding, you, you, can't, you get into heaven off Christ's record, his perfect record, right? We didn't do anything to earn that. We already talked about that. But then as a disciple of Christ, when we do good works, that actually does hit the heavenly register. I wonder, are we going to be rich in heaven or poor in heaven? Now, I'd just like to be in heaven, first of all. But I'd like to make sure that I use my life wisely so God can one day say to me, well done, good and faithful servant, like he told two of my friends this last month. This last couple weeks, actually, he told two of my good friends in this church, well done, good and faithful servant. Because they both love the Lord, love their families, honored the Lord, served, made a difference. Can that be said of us, right? Can that be said of you and me? Let's make an impact, right? So let's practice right now. So turn to your left or your right and tell them something nice about them. Just, just go ahead and just honor them right now. Just turn to your left, just tell them how nice they look. I like your watch. Thank you for taking a shower today. That's really helping us all out. Just something nice, right? Just say something nice. Offer a word of encouragement. All right, you're getting it. You're getting it. Somewhere in this audience, there's a guy sitting next to a single girl, and he's like, this is my chance. This is my chance. Thank you, Pastor Bill. I'm doing my part. You got to do yours, all right? Not only every encouraging word, but this is also important. Every time you serve others, it gets credited in heaven as well. Did you know that? When you serve someone else, you get credit in heaven for that. James 2 says this. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Think about that. One of you thinks, oh man, Lord bless you. And they're like, well, he ain't blessing me now. Well, then let me bless you. Let me help you. So when you help others, it's a game changer. Scripture says in in Romans 15, each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? That's a great line, isn't it? Let me ask you something. How helpful are you? Are you helpful in your family, or do you expect everyone to pick up after you? Everyone's your servant, apparently. Or is it, you know what, I'm not just going to take care of my own stuff. I'm going to help be helpful to the family. This is why parents should tell their kids, I need you to do this and do that. No. But I didn't make the mess. I know, and I clean up your messes all the time, and now you're going to learn to clean up other people's messes too. What? That's called being a family. So we're responsible for each other, right? And so are you helpful at work? Well, I'll get my job done. 
well, can you help with this person? I'm not paid to do that. Yeah, you are. You're paid in heaven. There's heavenly reward waiting for you if you'll get your project done early so you can help them finish their project. So are, are you helpful? By the way, I can really skyrocket your career today if you'll just take this one line and go crazy with it. If you want to multiply your career and, and double your income in the next two, three years, not hard to do. If you become super helpful to everyone around you, money will just come to you over time. Just every morning you wake up, how can I help someone? How can I be helpful? I learned a long time ago not to preach the sermons I want to preach. If I'll preach a sermon that's helpful to you, you'll show up again. Don't make your life about you. Make it about other people. That makes sense? Let's be helpful. You know, right now, if you're sitting in church right now and you have kids, younger kids, someone at one of our campuses is watching and teaching your kids about Jesus. Aren't we thankful for helpful and loving children's church servants, right? You know they're not paid, right? Like they're doing this for free, but they are paid in heaven. And so I always crack up when I say, hey, you want to serve at the church? I'd love to have you serve. And they say this, oh, I'm praying about that. Oh, you're going to pray about that. Okay, dear Lord, do you want me to serve like God's going, no, not you. I want other people, but not you. I don't want you to serve. <laughs> like, do you really need to pray about that? I'm pretty sure God's going to say, yes, I do. You can pray about where you serve. Let's not pray about whether we serve. We're called to serve. Does that make a difference? Now figure out where, but the best way to figure out where is just to get involved and you figure out this isn't my spot, find another spot. But I want to challenge you on this notion of thinking that you're living the full life of Christ and not serving anyone. We're supposed to serve one another. We're supposed to be there for one another. And I just have to stop on this notion. Can I just for a moment, if I can, have a little, a little, a little moment of pet peeve of mine? We bring people in the church, they get saved, right? They find Christ. They literally go from death to life. Then they begin to grow in their faith, and then they don't get involved serving. They just come to church, and they just start getting into the Word, and then reading Christian books, and going to Christian seminars, and going to Christian concerts, and everything, Christian, Christian, Christian. And then they come to us about two years in, and they go, you know what, we're going to leave the church, because you guys just aren't that spiritual. That's funny, because you weren't even a Christian when you got here. We helped you find Christ, grow in the Lord, and now you're telling us we're not spiritual. Oh, let me help you with that. See, the mistake you're making is you think spirituality now is knowledge. It's not knowledge. Well, you know, if you studied the Bible, Pastor Bill Moore, you would know this. Guys, I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't carry my degree on my shoulder, but I have studied the Word of God. And I'm telling you right now that just because you know something doesn't mean you're doing it. I can study salads all day long. And the question is, do I eat it? <laughs> I can study books on health. Do I ever go jogging, right? That's what matters. In other words, like so many people get caught in this notion of like the deep, mature spiritual life is just knowing a lot. But that's just not true. Then you're just a fat Christian. You're just fat with the Word of God. You don't ever exercise anything. You don't ever do it. Well, if you knew the Word of God, you know that the Old Testament talks about the tithe, but the New Testament, we're in the grace. And so no longer, no, you want, you want to go spiritual with me on that? Instead of trying to justify your tithe, let's go spiritual. Do you know, go all the way back to Melchizedek because Abraham tithed to Melchizedek and that was pre-law, which was Moses, which means the tithe was before the law, during the law, and after the law. So quit justifying not tithing. Do the Word of God. I can go there. But it's not about the knowledge, it's about what are you doing. I mean, you're never gonna, over, you're never gonna overlook or, or, or get to a point you're so spiritual that you never have to do love thy neighbor. That's just hard to do when your neighbor's loud and obnoxious and leaves their garbage cans out and their kids got their toys all over your yard. You gotta love your neighbor. When they drive you crazy, right? You gotta learn to love your neighbor when they're detailed and you're not as detailed or, or they, they get on you about not having your lawn the way theirs is or, or whatever. Or maybe you're the opposite where you're like, no, my neighbor wants to rebuild their car in the middle of their lawn and drive the value of my house down. Love your neighbor. It's hard, isn't it? 
Because here's the thing, we all want to talk big, but God wants us to walk big. So let's recognize what real discipleship is. So before you tell me, oh, I'm past all this, you don't get past these things. Are you being an encourager? Are you serving others? Are you making a difference? You want to see what real spirituality looks like? Go to our Westside campus and watch people being fed and being clothed and being prayed for and being encouraged. That is real faith. That is real Christianity. So I want to challenge you. Every time you serve others, you get credited in heaven for that. I'm going to pray about that. Don't pray about it. Do it. It's time to just take action and begin to serve and begin to make a difference. I promise you, every one of our campuses, there are serving opportunities everywhere. Just show up with a helpful attitude. I just want to help. I just want to make a difference. How can I help? If you will do that, God will do great things through you. And then the last one here. It says this. Everything you give to God gets credited in heaven as well. Did you know that? Everything you say that's positive towards someone else, encouraging them. Every time you serve and every time you give to God, it gets credited in heaven. It says in 2 Corinthians, each of you should give as you have decided in your heart to give. You should not be sad when you give, and you should not give because you feel forced to give. God loves the person who gives happily. That word happily in the original Greek language is cheerfully. Cheerfully means hilarious, hilarity. It means like you're giving like, <laughs> you go. That's how we're supposed to give. We're supposed to give like, this is nuts. Oh my gosh, here you go. I need this money so bad, but I'm going to give it to you anyways, God, here. We're supposed to give cheerfully. It's the total opposite of what you're like, he's talking about giving again, here you go. <laughs> the truth is we're supposed to give because we want to give. God wants us to be giving people. You know why I think we don't give? I think it's because we think we're a lake, that if you take some water out of my lake, the water goes down. No, 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 God says, no, you're a river. And so if you'll flow it out, I'll flow it right back in even more to you. He wants to flow through you. That's how God works. Luke chapter 16 says, if you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. If you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. By the way, it's okay to have money. Just don't let money have you. It's okay to have things. Just don't let things have you. Hold everything loosely. God, I thank you for this car, but if you ever want this car back, it's yours, Lord. Lord, thank you for this house, but however you want me to utilize this house for you, it's yours. I'm just going to hold it loosely. And I don't know whether you are barely on a Monopoly board and just trying to get around to that next paycheck, or if you're running the board and you're like, oh man, I got this. I got a house, a second house, a third house. I'm about to trade all that in for a hotel. And maybe you're just running the board. Either way, God's pretty clear that he wants us to give. And, and maybe you just have a little and God says, well, will you tithe off the little? How can I trust you with more if you won't tithe off the little? Oh, God, if I had a million dollars, I'd give to you. God's like, well, you have about 30 grand annually in income that you get in increments. What are you doing off of that? Because whatever you're doing off of that is actually a really good indicator of what you do if I gave you a million dollars. So I just want to challenge you. Are we willing to be a faithful? Some of you right now are like, man, he's talking about tithing. This is really a tough message. It's only tough if you're close to the box still. But if you walk away from the box, you start to realize, like, no, this is the right life. This is the great life. This is the giving life. It's incredibly blessed. You're blessed to be a blessing. So I don't know if you're barely on a monopoly board, if you're running a monopoly board. Either way, give to the Lord. If you've got 10 houses, give one to God. If you've got a garage full of cars, you literally have 10 classic cars, give a classic car to God. Just say, okay, God, which one you want? The Stingray or the 57 Chevy? It's going to you. Just give to the Lord. 
if you will begin to think differently like this, God will open up pathways for you to be a blessing that will blow your mind. It's really true. You know what I just did, by the way? We just did this as a church. We just paid down $10.5 million in debt because of you. Thank you for giving. That's how we could do that. <laughs> Grateful. Yeah. So we had an annual offering this year, and we did not bring in $10 million. Please don't think that. But we've been saving for the last three years all during COVID, we we're like, let's be good stewards. We don't know what's coming. We're just going to save and honor the Lord with this. We never shut off the, the, the flow to our mission causes or our ministry causes. We just said, let's just tighten up and be good stewards. As people rolled off staff, we did not replace many of them. Two would leave. We'd, we'd, we'd hire one back, that kind of thing. And so I'm really proud of our staff. Can I give it up for our amazing staff? They work really hard. Really proud of them. So... We really were trying to be good stewards. So b between that, between us selling a big piece of land in San Antonio that we, we bought for $2.5 million about seven years ago, we sold it for $4.5 million almost, 4.2. 4 so we had a great profit on that. All that money, plus what we saved, plus the offering, we combined all this together, and we paid down $10, $10 million. It's $10.5 million. Incredible. Our debt just got cut in half. How great is that, right? Now, that's awesome. That's the good news. Bad news is, I'm not sure what's going on, but, but we've, our giving has dropped. Now, we're fine. I'm not sitting there going, we're going to close the door. We're not doing that. I'm not saying that. But I want you to understand that the point of paying off the debt was to have more money that regularly comes in that would go straight to missions and ministry. But if the giving drops off, it's like we didn't even pay the debt. So I want to challenge you. Have you pulled your foot off the gas? Oh, but you don't know how the economy is. Oh, I'm sorry. We don't participate in this economy. I don't participate in abortion because it goes against my religion. I also don't participate in the recession because it goes against my religion. Did you catch that? I don't care what the price of gas is, my God shall provide. I don't care what the economy does, my God shall provide. Does that make sense? And I understand there are some realities, and we are in South Texas where things are very driven by oil. I get it. I'm not pretending like I don't. But just trust the Lord. I just want to ask you to stay faithful to God because I believe God has still called our church to reach a million souls. Our vision is very clear. God's given me that very, very clearly. I spent 100 hours in prayer on this. I know we're called to win a million souls through prayer, evangelism, and church planting. So you know what I decided to do since we were really tight financially, didn't have any money? I thought, hmm, we're really tight. We don't have any money. Let's give. So I called up a church planter, didn't I know? He's our 106th church plant. His name's Chris Brown. He's a great guy. You've actually probably heard of him. He actually used to work for a guy named Dave Ramsey. He was on the radio with him. I was talking to Chris, and they planted a church in South Nashville, an area called Columbia, a really nice little area, and they're just getting started. And I said, Chris, how's it going? He said, man, Pastor, great to hear from you. We just caught up a little bit. I like to help him out if I can and give him some advice. He always asks me for advice on things, and, and we're talking. And I said, what's your debt load looking like? And he said, well, we do have some debt. And I was like, well, you're a new church. Why would you have debt this early? He said, well, we, we, we hit a point where we couldn't pay the bills. It's pretty normal in a church start. I said, okay, well, what's the debt? So he told me, and I immediately said, okay, Call them up. Let's work out a plan. But in that plan, let us pay the first two payments for you. So we're going to send some money this, this month and next month to pay that. Now you may say, okay, Pastor, you just said we got of money. Right. I'm trying to help you understand how the world thinks. The world says when you're broke, batten down the hatches, hold it tightly. God says when you're broke, give and prime the pump so I can give back to you. Did you catch that? So before I ever ask you for anything, I'm just going to go ahead and give to this other church and help them. God, I don't talk about this stuff much because I don't want to be braggadocious. I don't want you to hear it that way. But if you knew the churches locally around us that their doors are still open because of us, I don't talk about that. I'm never going to mention their names. If you knew the pastors that 
that we've literally helped bury because they couldn't afford their own burial? Because there's a lot of things we do. So when you give faithfully, the Bible says don't let your left hand know what your right hand is. So I'm not going to tell you all those churches and ministries that we support and all that. I'm not going to do that. The things I can tell you, we do tell you. But there's all kinds of stuff you're never going to know about. But just know this, your church is making a huge impact. I'm not asking you to give to Church Unlimited. I'm asking you to give through Church Unlimited. Does that make sense? Anyway, I'll stop. I just want to challenge you to be faithful. And if you will do this, then now you're thinking outside the box. Because eventually all of us, no matter what we do, no matter how much we earn, no matter how successful we become, no matter how many likes you have on Instagram or whatever the new, what is it, be real now? That's a new thing, whatever it is. It's all going to go back in the box. So my challenge for you is real simple. What are you doing outside the box? Love others, serve them, give. Love others, serve, give. Love others, serve, give. Let's, how can we change the world? Love others, serve, Give. The world's so messed up and people are at each other's throats, but we could be different. We could just. People are so mad at each other and everyone says it's all about the vote and who votes for who, but we should just. My family's at arms and they're all mad because I wasn't in the will and they were in the will for this much and we're all going to get mad at each other and we're just going to. Do you know the impact you can make? It's unbelievable. This world needs to see people that are different. Let's be different. Father, thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you, God, that we have been freed because of Christ, that we could get out of that grave and live a new life in you. With every head bowed and eyes closed right now, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you find yourself stuck in that grave and you're like, I don't know what to do, my life is broken, I need someone, you need Jesus. Receive him right now by praying this simple prayer. Would you pray this prayer with us? Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin, and I believe you rose again. Come in my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. If you just prayed that prayer, then Christ has come in your life. No one's looking around. Just lift your hand high right now if you just gave your life to Jesus. Right now, at all of our campuses, just hold your hand high if you just gave your life to Jesus. Thank you. There are hands going up all across our campuses. Praise God. Thank you. If you're online with us, just put in the text chat right now. Just text, my hand is raised, or click hand raised right now. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for the decision you made to give your life to Christ. Praise God. You can put your hands down now with your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you've already given your life to Christ, maybe today you say, Pastor, I'm going to be honest with you. For a guy who's not in the box anymore, I still act like I am. I've made my life about me. I'm going to become an encourager. I'm going to lift others up. I'm going to begin to serve. And I'm going to become a giver. Because my life is not about me. It's about others. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your challenge. Thank you, Lord, that if Lazarus could get up again, then we can get up again too. You're not done with us. Utilize us to change this world. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true. Pastor.